Do you have a faith on fire? That's the question I want you to consider with us this morning. And as I light this candle, I want it to be a reminder that the Father is present with us. I want you to be aware that God is with us here this morning. And the youth, if you um, are youth visiting with us or are newer to Discovery, Jeff is standing at the door, Pastor Jeff. Um, You can go ahead and head over towards him and um, you'll head back to your time of teaching and, and fellowship. But I also want to think about what does it mean to have a faith on fire? And what do we know about fire? Throughout scripture, God is referenced as fire. He is seen as fire. As I reflected on that this week, what I know about fire is that fire needs three ingredients in order to have a chemical reaction to produce what we see here on stage. It needs heat or an ignition source. It needs fuel and it needs oxygen. I also know that fire consumes and fire transforms. Fire gives off light and energy. I want a faith that resembles this fire. I want a faith that consumes that consumes the evil that dwells within me, that consumes the hate that I have for the other, that consumes the envy and the desire for a bigger house, for more power. I want a faith that consumes my insecurities that I am not enough. But I want a faith that transforms those places in me. I want those space of hate that is taken away to be filled with love for the other. I want to know that a simple life of following Jesus is enough and I don't need more things from the world. I want the insecurity of not being enough to be filled with the truth that I am and that you are the beloved son and daughter of the Most High God. What is the fuel? What is the heat? Where do those things come from and how does it ignite to to create a flame that gives light to our soul that people can see? I read scripture and I see all these passages about uh, the kingdom of God coming and restoring the world to, cre- to the way that God created it, to turning from indifference and living with zeal. But all too often, that's missing in my life. My question for you this morning is, is that missing in yours? Do you have a faith of fire? I also want to ask you, a question, do we as a family of God, do we embody, do we resemble a a community that has a faith of fire? We say we want to be a church that's reaching the city to change the world, and that's a lofty vision. 
And we say we're going to do it through a pretty simple mission, to be disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. Are we doing that? And I want to be really clear that I'm not asking you to answer that question, and I'm not answering that question for you, because I think the answer is not yes or no. But I want you to, to consider that, that a faith on fire is a faith that consumes. It's a faith that transforms, and it's a faith that gives off a light and energy. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you because your dad and we get to be your children. So, Father, we invite you into this place this morning knowing full, fully that you don't need an invitation to show up, but it's more of a request. God, would you come with power this morning? Would you come with a word that you would like to, for us to hear? Jesus, we invite you into this place because we desire your presence. We want more than just to want to know who you are. We, we want to be able to see, see you and, and to touch you and to feel you, to be moved by you, to be passionate for the things that you're passionate about. That's why we, we invite you into this place this morning, God. Lord, we recognize that there are forces that would want to snuff out the flame, both internal and external. That there is a brokenness inside of me that wants to keep me comfortable and cozy, that wants to keep me ignorant, satisfied. We also recognize that there are things beyond our reach that would want to oppress us and bind us and keep us from moving in the direction that uh, you want to lead us into. And so we, this morning we declare that we want to push back against that. God, we want to see this city changed. So we ask you to change us, Lord. Change the way we do church. Change the person that I, that I am in relationship with you, in relationship with this community. Help us to fan the flame, God, that keeps us connected to you and pushes us outward. God, this morning we ask that you would name the things that would hold us back and that you would give us a new hope for the places where you're taking us. In Jesus' name, amen. Part of what, this, what the conversation we're going to have this morning is it's going to be about the things that do hold us back from having a passionate spirituality. 
And we're going to be talking about some hard things, right? But we're also going to be hopeful about the fact that the gift that God has given us when we've, uh, when we've taken Jesus Christ as our Lord is the Holy Spirit. And that spirit is full of power. And we're going to talk, talk about ways in which we can engage in rhythms and practices that are going to help us to really fan that flame and, and drive that passionate spirituality inside of us. At the same time, we're going to recognize that we're, we don't do it perfectly and that we struggle and that it's not easy. Um, and sometimes, even when we hear a simple word, a simple word that God has given us to, into act, to call us into action, um, we might even laugh at that and say, like, really, God, that's all you want me to do? Like, I'm built for so much more. And even that, right, that resistance there uh, keeps us from taking that, act, that step of faith uh, towards, towards the way that Jesus wants us to move. So part of what we're going to do this morning is just have a conversation about those things. And I'm going to start with asking Paul some questions about um, the things that um, really maybe he, might, he struggles with and, and, and things that hold him back. And we've really identified two places in which we're, in general, we can describe places where we struggle um, in hearing God's voice and then pushing out in an area where God wants to lead us. Um, and... We can identify those as noise, right, distraction, and, um, and procrastination. So I know Paul quite well. I've gotten a chance to get to know him uh, over the last, last year, more than a year. And, um, Even though I've tried to keep you from being a part <laughs> of Discovery. To, he did try to keep me out of yeah. Discovery. Um, but... Even though he, Paul tried to keep me out of discovery, I stepped into his life and I got to know him. And I know he's a, he's, he's a kind of guy that, um, that really tries to practice connecting to the Father really well. But we're going to talk a little bit about the things that keep him away from that, uh, some of the noise. So I'm going to start off by just asking Paul um, if you can name some, some of the things that are noisy in your life that yeah. keep you from hearing God's voice. Yeah. You know, I think that... Um, before I jump into that question, I want to be really clear that for me, um, that as I think about passionate spirituality, as I think about uh, my, my soul and my faith as being a flame and fire, and I think about those three ingredients to fire, um, I think of the, the heat and the ignition source being Holy Spirit. And I think of um, the fuel being God's love. And so the question that I'm constantly asking myself is, how am I creating practices and how am I creating rhythms in my life that draw awareness to the presence of Holy Spirit with me? Not when I choose to enter into that, but, but we're taught that Jesus tells us that when we begin to follow Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit that he dwells within us, which means that at all times, God's presence is constant. That I do not enter into it, I, I move in and out of awareness of it. And so how do we build rhythms in, in our lives that, that allow us to be aware of his presence so that we can receive the fuel to, to living the spiritual life, to following Jesus, that is God's love. 
his presence to consume and, and his love to transform. And how do those things come together to create that flame, to create that spark, to create that life inside of me that is full of energy and light as I live in our city? And so as I, as I think about that, what, what snuffs that out so often for me is the noise that Vlad is, is asking me about. Um, and for me, and for I think most of our society, there's, there's two different types of noise that we hear. I think there's an external noise, and I think that's a noise that we, as a society, have become addicted to. I think it's a noise that we use to silence and to quiet and to push down the other noise that I'm going to talk about in a second, the internal noise. But the external noise, I think, is, is noise that, that may not even seem bad, but it's ways that, that, that we don't have to listen to what's going on inside of us and to what God is saying, it, things that might make us uncomfortable. And so when I wake up in the morning, I fill my day with ways to, to take in information from outside of myself. Where in our lives today do we have moments of silence where we have to confront the fears and the anxieties and the realities and the evil that live inside of us? For myself, I love social media, specifically Instagram. And whenever I feel uncomfortable, I always have a way to feel comfortable. I can pull my phone out and check Instagram. If I'm driving to the office, I can turn on a podcast and listen to my favorite theologian and preacher of the day, and I do it all the time. I have an endless amount of blogs bookmarked on all of my devices so that whenever I have a moment, instead of realizing what's going on inside of me, I can hear what's going on with someone else. And see, it's creating a, a Christian culture in the church today, I believe, that is completely un and unaware of themselves as a whole. Because we don't know what the internal noise is. And I think we use the external noise, as I said earlier, to, to make sure that we don't have to hear it because the internal noise is scary. The internal noise is fearful and full of anxiety. The internal noise is really hurt by what that person, your spouse or your mom or your dad or your roommate or your college professor said to you. And you don't really know how to process that and deal with that and allow God to heal that. For me, the noise is, have I really been given, my internal noise is, have I really been given everything I need to succeed? Do I really have enough? It's the noise that I pick up my phone when I hear that question for myself. In thinking about the noise and, and what it is and describing some of that, um, how do you see it the noise getting in the way of, of, of hearing God's voice? I 
I think for myself that it gets in the way uh, because I fill all the space that God could possibly speak to me with that external noise. So I watch sporting events in the evening and I don't seek him. And I wake up at 4.30 when my alarm goes off because it's a quiet time in my house to seek God. But Instagram's on my phone. And I want to see how my fantasy football team did last night. And all of a sudden, what was supposed to be an hour of listening to God, of spending time with him so that that flame could be, um, you know, yeah, breathed on, to be grown. Um, my daughter's waking up, and my Bible's sitting next to me, and my phone's still in my hand. And I've read a lot of really good things, sometimes even about God, but I never spent any time with him because it was all just noise. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing. I, I wonder, um, how does that noise and how does procrastination inhibit our ability to connect with and, and interface with a world around us? I know that's something that, that, that you're passionate about and, and that the body of Christ, the, the, the followers of Jesus giving off that light. So in your life, how, how does noise and procrastination inhibit you from being the light that, that God's growing inside of you? Yeah, so a lot of times the noise helps me to not also be aware of the people around me and to engage. Um, a really recent story. Um, so yesterday my wife and I decided to go. We got some tickets to go to the UC Davis football game. And uh, never been to a UC Davis football game. And it was a neat experience because you're really close to the field, right? So I wanted to be really engaged with the game and where the team's at and kind of see the, the whole game um, and have that experience. But interestingly, um, there was a guy that just started yelling. He was upset about a, a referee call and, and said some things that bothered me. Um, but then I just almost even kind of instantly released that and like forgot about it. Uh, kept my focus on the game, kept my focus on the family, got home. And it wasn't until we got home and, and the wife, uh, my wife Flora, told, pointed it out to me and said, like, did you hear the guy that stood up and yelled out, are you a Mormon or, or a moron? Oh, and then it broke me, right? Because I was trying really hard to kind of avoid ha be having that awareness of that, right? Um, and not just knowing what he said, but knowing that it hurt me, that it, that it cut my heart, that, that there would be somebody in our midst, in our community, that would just feel okay with putting somebody down in that way, right? Um, and so what I did when I got home was I turned on the TV. You know, um, kids are a really good, useful way to, to distract me, too. So, like, I focus on, like, putting my kid to bed and, and those things. And, but I knew intentionally I was like avoiding dealing with that reality as well, right? I wanted to forget it. I, I wanted to, you know, chalk it up to just like, oh, just some guy, you know, being a sports fan. But I think if, we're, if we don't 
step into those realities and into that awareness, I think we lose out on maybe what God may be saying to me, right? I don't know what the right response would have been um, if I should have said anything back or anything like that, but um, I do know that the first step should have been to talk to God and say, like, this hurts. Um, Is there anything you want me to do? But I'm glad my wife did because uh, that's, that's why she brought it up into the conversation. And, and that she, she, she has a good, healthy rhythm of kind of seeing beyond the noise and, 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 and pointing out what's going on. What are some ways that, that you have um, overcome that noise in the past and, and leaned into? Can you give us a practical example? I know we didn't talk about this question, but so I'm putting you on the spot right now, but... Um. Yeah, um, I know I, I want to procrastinate, especially when it comes to moving in direction that I feel like the Spirit prompting me or, or God leading me. Um, and when, when I share our story, when I share uh, Flora and I's story of like moving into Compton and living there for six years and um, being super missional about what God may be doing in that city and wanting to see that city restored and healed. Um, I think a lot of people get really excited about it because um, that's a story that I think inspires people to hear more about God's power and how it's really transforming a place, right? Um, but I have a confession to make in saying that, like, like, it's actually in my heart and in my desire to put those things off. Like, I don't, I'm, it's, it's not natural for me to respond well to, to God's prompting and leading. And sometimes he has to, like, drag me to a place to really show me um, how he wants to grow me and how he wants to stretch me. Um, and so when I procrastinate, you know, when I push, push back against what God uh, may be saying to me and how he wants, us, how, how he wants to lead me, like, I, it's just really important for me to be aware of that and be aware of the ways in which I push back. Some of the things I say to myself is, like, I'm too busy. Like, I can't fit that into my life. Um, uh, I can't fit that person into my life. That's a lot of baggage there, right? They have a lot of issues. And if I step into that, like, I, I just, I've even used the words, like, I don't see how I can make any time for this person, right? Um, and I think articulating that with my wife and in fellowship with believers helps me to really kind of, it provides an opportunity for me to kind of deconstruct some of that, what's going on, to address some of the ways I, I, I'm not willing to respond to God's calling. And then at the same time, it also helps me to, um, to have the support to say, like, you don't have to do this alone. We're going to go with you, right? I didn't move into Compton by myself, by my, but I moved into to Compton with my wife. And it wasn't just us two, but we were part of a church planting team that moved into that city to seek its restoration, right? That's good. This morning, um, it's a little bit different. We don't want to, uh, to tell you about it being aware of God's presence and, and to tell you about... Uh, moving out into this city. Um, but we want to, to give you an experience. We want to give you an opportunity um, to come to Jesus, to come uh, before the Lord, to, to 
it, to be aware of his presence in, in a real way. Um, and so as we were thinking about this, I, I love the image that, that Jesus gives us in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, when he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The tension that exists in that passage when Jesus says, come to me, be aware of my presence, it's still speaking to us. He's calling us into relationship with him today. But, but I also love the, the tension that he places on us when he says, learn from me. Because Jesus' call is to follow him. And so as we enter in to these times of being with him, we're learning how to follow him. We have a responsibility of action in response to his word and in response to his life. And so this morning, um, we want to, to give you both of those opportunities to, to first be with him and, and to second um, respond to him in a meaningful way. Um, and so over the past year, year and a half, um, probably started a little bit before last summer, we did a, a, a series called Water from a Deep Well. And we talked about the spiritual disciplines. And, um, and in, in that series, I, I, God began to make me aware of a tradition and of a history um, of, of following Jesus that, that we don't normally talk about and that I didn't grow up, grow up hearing about. Um, and so one of the messages, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to that series, was on Sabbath. Um, and that, that really started it for us. And so um, my wife and I um, took the challenge of, of that message and we began to practice Sabbath weekly. Um, and as I began to experience how... how uh, being with God on those days in, in a more real and intentional way uh, shaped the rest of my week, um, I began to crave more of that because I was receiving his love in, in a new way that I, that I didn't know before. Um, and so what I found is a whole tradition of, of spiritual rhythms that people have lived in um, since the time of Jesus of, of it withdrawing to be with God and then engaging in the world. And so um, I have engaged in rhythms of, of silence and then listening and solitude and then community of uh, fasting and then feasting because we grow as people when we are with God and we respond to God. And so we withdraw and then we engage and, and that's the rhythm. Um, and so this morning, I can't give you fasting and I can't give you an experience of solitude, but something that has been meaningfully shaping my life uh, is silence. And so um, 
I love this quote by uh, Adele Calhoun. Um, Thank you, Vlad. She says that silence is a time to rest in God. Lean into God, trusting that being with him in silence will loosen your, loosen your rootedness in the world and plant you by streams of living water. It can form your life, even if it doesn't solve your life. And I think that that, that is what I have experienced in silence over the past um, six months to a year. I've, I haven't felt that my life and the, has been solved by it, but I have um, experienced being planted by streams of living water that has loosened the internal and the external noise in my life and made me aware of God's presence with me more and more in each uh, day and week and month. Um, and so this morning, we're going to practice silence together. And I'll be honest, silence is hard. In a, in a world that has created an addiction for us to noise, it's really hard to sit silently with ourselves. To sit silently knowing that God is present with us being aware of that reality. As we do this this morning, I want, to think, I want you to just think through, and, and my challenge to you is that, can you make time this week, three times for 10 minutes, to be silent in the presence of God? And so here's just kind of a, a, a very basic um, Way to, way to think through it. It's on your worship guide. You can take that home and it'll give you a little bit of a template. But as you begin to think about this, um, I would ask you to, to think about location. Where is there a space in your life that you won't be interrupted or, dis- interrupted or disrupted? Where can you go that no one's going to come bother you? Where can you go that won't create distractions so that the space is silent, but also so that uh, it doesn't create um, uh, internal distractions for you in that space. What's your posture? Will your eyes be open or closed? Will your hands be clasped? Will your head be bowed? Will you be sitting, kneeling, or laying? Be comfortable. Find a place that's comfortable. And will you trust and surrender before you enter into it? What is going on internally with you? Will you let that go? Will you enter into this time with God without an agenda, without trying to get something out of it that that you want and allow him to give you what he wants to give you? And then will you be silent in God's presence? And will you practice it because it's hard and uncomfortable and it takes time to to experience the fruit of it? And I just want to say that that the practice of silence is not about doing it right. It's just about being with God. That you're gonna, your mind's going to wander. You're going to think about what you need to do today. You're going to think about uh, the anger that you have towards whoever wronged you recently. You're going to think about the insecurities and what if God doesn't show up. 
Be compassionate when that happens. You're not doing it wrong. You're just beginning to sit with God. And gently just guide your mind back to remembering that that he's with you and that he's present. And so this morning, we're going to spend three minutes in silence right now. And uh, I would ask you... um, What are you afraid of? What might you try and control in this experience? What might distract you internally or externally? I'm going to say a quick prayer, and I hope that in that prayer you'll be able to surrender those with me to God right now. And I'm going to set a timer, and that's how I do it. I set timers. I practice silence for 20 minutes in the morning. And every morning I set a timer and let it count down. And when I hear it go off, I say a quick prayer and I move on with my day. And so that's what we're going to do this morning too. So I'm going to pray for us as we enter. We're going to sit silently for three minutes. And then we're going to continue. Father, we trust you. We know that you are good, and we know that you love us. Lord, would you meet us in our silence? Would we surrender any agenda that we have? Would we let go of any desire that that we want out of this time? And would we be open to receiving what you want to give us right now? Short. For some of us, it felt really long. <clears throat> I would encourage you and invite you into to create space this week um, to remember that it's not about doing it right, but it's about being with God. But I would want to be curious, how did you experience that three minutes? Uh I heard a lot of voices in my head, and I, I think there's a lot of noise, internal noise yeah. going on. Um, I knew you were going to ask this question, so I think I, I struggled with... I appreciate with, the honesty. With, <laughs> with being honest, with being authentic, right? And actually, um, when you asked earlier, like, what are you, what are you afraid of? Um, I'm afraid that I'm going to forget what follows in, in, in kind of our message hmm. here this morning. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really afraid of, I'm afraid that... Um, some of you that are here today or that are desiring to meet God and have an experience with, with God and Jesus that, um, that that's not going to happen because I got in the way somehow. Uh, those are some of the things that, that came to me as we sat in silence. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'll be honest, three minutes felt like a lot longer than I expected in front of, the sta- in front of you guys. I was like, oh my gosh, is my phone going to go off? Did I turn it on loud? Will it go off if it's on silent? I struggled to enter into his, to be aware of his presence in those three minutes. And that's a, a very actually accurate depiction of, of silence for me in, this, uh, in the mornings by myself. But what it has done is it's, it's planted me by streams of living water 
it's, it's loosened the roots of the world and it's, it's filled me with love and a love for people that I haven't experienced until I began entering into the, these rhythms of, of being with God without expectation of what he might give us. So our spiritual disciplines help us to be connected to God and be rooted in his word and, and have an experience that really helps to build up the faith. Um, and I love the verse in John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus' word, words really kind of connect these pieces together for us this morning um, because he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's simple, right? But it's not easy. Um, even as we sat in silence, I think, it's, it's, I think we had a real experience of um, why it's hard to, to just even know, like, is this, is this your voice, God, or is it mine? Who, who's speaking? Mm-hmm. What are you saying? Um, to be known by Jesus, right? Like, really, Jesus, you want to see the darkest places of my heart? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that this morning? That makes me really uncomfortable. Um, and so I avoid, I procrastinate spending time with him, right? Because he's going to want to expose some of that. And yet, he gives us an invitation uh, to follow him, to be part of his mission on this planet, right? To, to be part of the work that he's doing to redeem a hurt and broken world. And so in our next practice, we're going to step into faith, into, into practicing some of that, right? That all of us gather together as a community, as broken as we are, and as much as we try to push away God and not want to listen to what he has to say to us, Um, We believe that he has a word for us this morning, and we believe that he has also called us into his ministry and mission. And so we're going to practice some of that today. Um, What we're going to do in a minute is we're going to gather in groups. Uh, If if you're part of a discovery group here at at Discovery Church, um, we want you to find uh, a discovery group leader um, and go meet with them. If you're not part of a discovery group, um, we just want you to you know, whatever discovery group is closest to you or whatever group is closest to you, just attach yourself to them um, because we're going to pray together over some of the strongholds um, that are rooted in the city of Davis. Um, There's a really great quote by, um, well, it's uh, Peter Gregg in his book, Dirty Glory, quotes John John Chrysostom about the power of prayer. And and John, John says, the potency of prayer had subdued the strength of fire, it had brittled the rage of lions, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. And so in that analysis, it really gives you a a really awesome picture of what prayer has the capacity to do, right? And yet there's a little piece of me that doesn't believe it. Um, but if you analyze what uh, John was saying in that, in that verse, and Peter kind of reflects on it in his book, Dirty Glory, he says, all those are rooted in the scriptures. It, is, it was Moses and, and Joshua and um, Ezekiah who used prayer to actually end war, right? And so if we're, we're a body that actually believes in the Bible and we want to teach the Bible, then we also believe that, that prayer has the power to do that, right? the power to restore cities. And so 
part of what we're going to do this morning is actually pray uh, against the strongholds that have taken root in our, in our city. So as we gather into groups, so if you're part of a discovery group, find your discovery group leader. Um, if you're not part of a discovery group, uh, just find a group that's close to you. Um, we're going to pray together against these strongholds. Um, if you're new to discovery and this is kind of strange, what's taking place this morning, um, and you don't feel comfortable in kind of participating in an activity, it's okay to kind of just remain in your seat and, 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 and just observe uh, what's taking place. Um, if you're wondering what are some strongholds in Davis that we want to be praying against, um, uh, if, if, if maybe you want a you desire some awareness around that. Um, some of the things I can give you to be praying about, you can be praying against poverty and homelessness. Um, you can be praying against loneliness in Davis and isolation. You can be praying against addiction. Um, you can be praying against racism and bigotry. You can be praying against the places where Jesus is just not known and experienced, right? You can be praying for our campus too. You can be praying against sexual assault. Um, you can be praying against the ways in which um, our students lose their identity in, in, in campus, on the campus. So those are some places that, that we could be praying against together. Um, and so, what I want you to do now, um, and what we're going to do, just to give you some instruction, we're going to get up, we're going to find a group to, to get together to pray. If you've already identified kind of a stronghold in the city of Davis, you can name it, and then we'll have a couple people pray. We'll do that for a few minutes, and then um, Paul will end that time as he's going to call us back together. You're going to stay where you're at, you're going to stay standing, and then we're going to recite uh, the Lord's Prayer together. So, go ahead and get up, um, go, go ahead and find your group. Um, and uh, be praying uh, for the next three to five minutes over those strongholds. As you guys wrap up praying, I know that it would be awesome to spend the next hour in prayer, but we have kids workers who want their parents to come pick up their kids. I just want to invite us into a public reading of the Lord's Prayer to end our, our morning and to re-engage with worship. Would you uh, read the Lord's Prayer with me?